Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, 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 and happy Monday, June 6th. This is the Helping Friend Podcast. My name is Brian Brinkman. I am here. My compatriot, my good friend, the inspiration for all things fish podcasting, Mr. RJB. How are you doing here today, RJ? <laughs> Thanks. Great intro. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready. You had a you had a big weekend, didn't you? Oh man, the solo, solo parenting is just you know, it's a thing that if you know, you know, as the kids say, you know. I know. You know. Um, I, know. I, know. I know. I'm well aware. It's it's a it's a vibe, and you have yeah. to like be completely into it. And uh, you survived it, which is good. I survived it. I was on. I was at a lake in in upstate New York, which meant that I, you know, I. I I drove a lot, um, but my kids are getting to the age now where, like, I think it's actually starting to starting to get easier, which is strange. So it's a weird thing. Like, I've still got um, what up, Kevin? Shout out! What's up, Kevin? Shout out! I've still got one child under three, and she's like starting to be have a personality. 
But my other son, or my 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 son, he is like, uh, he's becoming his own independent person. We're getting to the point where we're like, you just need to start doing things yourself around the house because I can't do everything for you. Like I need I need a third hand to take care of all this stuff. And I'm curious, did you have that this weekend with your kids? Yeah, I was actually visiting my friend Adam, who's a great uncle and 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 helps um, really like. Just, you know, he just helps a lot. Um, he's the one who's, whose house we went to visit. But in general, I do I do give Maya a lot of chores. She's eight and she gets a, a weekly allowance and, you know, gets gets a lot, of, like does a lot of things for me. So on one hand, I sort of like put her to work, but, but I don't think I'm breaking any child labor laws because it's not, you know, it's basically just trying to keep the house, the household going. There's a kid in our neighborhood who he's nine and he, he has a lawn mowing duty up and down the block. And I just, I told my son, like you got two summers and then you are going to go and start competing him. And I will teach you how to do as clean a lines as possible. But like, we are getting a competing business on this block. He is not, he does not have a monopoly of this street for the next five years. Just not going to happen. Amazing. That's, that's young. Well, let's, let's get them to start producing this podcast for us. That's a really good call. You he know. asks to be on this podcast all the time. I catch him watching us on YouTube because he like you know he loves YouTube at his age. And he's like, I just want to watch you, and I'm like, You're, you you want to listen to me talk about fish? He's like, No, I just want to hear your voice. I'm like, That's really sweet. So yeah, we got to put him to work. But um, we are not here to give you parent corner today. Um, although, as Kevin Hogan says, teach and make PB and J. And teach them to do laundry and you are gold. And that is a really good point. That is a really good point. I need to teach them how to wield a knife. Um, we are here to break down last night's tour finale from Deer Creek in Noblesville, Indiana, 6522. Um, if you caught us last night at set break, video still online somewhere. We talked a bit about the first set. We're not going to dive in song by song. We have some more thematic approaches we want to go here. We want to touch a little bit on the larger tour. RJ and I have been having some back and forth conversations off offline, as as the uh, corporate folks like to say, uh, about the state of the tour, our thoughts on it, some deep dive questions. What does this all mean? It's been a lot of like strings to one ticket stub to another set list to the jam chart all that stuff printed out we just you know we try to figure out where we're at with fish here 39 years into their career these are important questions and we are the people to answer them at least ask them and attempt to answer yeah, them i think that's fair matt higgins points out something that's really interesting tours started with strong first set openers while it ended with strong second set openers that was fun that is an interesting adjustment that the band was going through i I, the the first set openers was such something to behold in the first four shows of the tour um before we do all that though rj would you like to tell us and our friends and our listeners about the wonderful people at sunset laker would you like me to um, I can do it. I can do it. Um, so I think everyone knows by now Sunset Lake CBD of CBD line, smokable hemp products for the old fish fan or the young deadhead searching for a mellow body high. Uh, so Sunset Lake CBD has CBD that has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without some of the side effects that some people might experience at times. They have nine different strains from this year's harvest and you should just go to sunsetlakecbd.com. You can use the code HFPOD for 20% off all the products. Um, but when you go to a show, maybe bring some CBD CBD joints with you or some CBD flour or some, some gummies, you know. Um, I like using CBD at night uh, before I go to bed. Helps me sleep more peacefully. And uh, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you Great pricing on premium CBD by shipping directly from their farm to your door. It comes really fast. They're good friends of ours. They really appreciate live music. So support them, support us. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off. Great people, great product. What more do you need? You know, that's what, that's what we're here. It's just that's to talk it. about great people and great products. If you are a great person out there and you have a great product, hey, we'd love to talk about it on the show. Hit us up. So. Fish plays their tour finale last night in Noblesville. 
tour finales are such an interesting thing because the band like they don't organically build toward this towards this peak performance at the end like it's very rare that the tour finale is like the best show of the tour so i always go into these kind of expecting a bit of reflection a bit of what's next like what is the band kind of working on in terms of what's next some one-off moments that they wanted to get in that they didn't necessarily get uh throughout the overall tour and then some high points that really showcase where the band was at throughout the tour and i feel like overall we got that last night and i feel like as this show evolved and as it as it went on it grew more in stature and it, it grew more in terms of like a reflective piece what were your overall thoughts on last night's show um yeah i mean i think that's that that's fair i I think it was a it was a little bit of a strange tour you know um i think Mm -hmm. there were some the 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 first night which i just was kind of going back to looking at the set list you know with that kind of like a 15 minute jam to to start off the the tour um twist right was the first and that was like wow all right this is um they're they're coming to to kick ass and i think the um there were some things that I didn't expect this tour that, well, I guess we'll talk about a little bit later, but I think they were reflected in this, in this show last night. Um, I, I think opening with while my guitar gently weeps is a, is a real, real badass move. You know um, I think that's a, it's an interesting call. Um, but I think it, I think it kind of like, I think it got things, got things working. I think that was the first, I think that was the first time that that song has ever opened. Open yeah. show which is kind of goes to that theme of like the placements are just there's no, there's no pattern anymore, you know? Um, So I thought that first set was like, you know, there were a lot of songs that they kind of made their way through, but you know, for, for a tour closer, I was kind of expecting like a something in the first set, some kind of like, I don't know, a bust out of some kind or some kind of like shenanigans. Um, But it was a, it was a fairly straightforward set. And then, the second set is just this. I mean, who would have who would have expected a a sand to to open the set and be thirty five minutes long? I mean, it was wild. We we should talk about that, you know, of course. But um, man, that was a that was that was pretty wild, pretty surprising. Yeah, I mean, I I share your thoughts on set one. I just I I I felt like it was kind of there and it was inoffensive and it was kind of breezy at times. And the song selection was somewhat good, somewhat not exactly what I'm hoping for on a Sunday night, but overall I was okay with it. Uh, Wombat was great. Uh, Evolve was great. Limb by limb. I always love Mercury was really solid. And then while my my guitar gently weeps was first time opener, second, only the second performance since 2013, like really just like has been on the shelf for a while. Um, Trey seemed to throw a ton into the, the solo there. It just like you could hear throughout the set, regardless what they were playing rift aside, which had a few moments of uh kind of just bungled playing within it. But overall the band sounded like they were feeling good after a week and a half on the road. And it's, it's interesting because this is usually the time in a tour when you start to hear the band catch a groove. And we'll probably hear this. If you think about, the upcoming summer tour that launches in just over a month, you know, they're going to do this first weekend in uh, Massachusetts, Maine, they go to Philadelphia, then they do Bethel Hartford. And then from there, that is basically at Hartford show on July 24th is basically where they're at right now. And from there they have three more weeks of shows to play on a consistent basis. So, you know, whereas here now that we're hearing the band kind of close things up, while also looking ahead at this point come Hartford 724, we're going to hear the band really be looking ahead towards the remainder of the tour. But to your point, the sand, I think this is like really the starting point of, of this show. This is what this show is going to be remembered for. Um, 34 minutes in length, multi-sectional seem to touch on a lot of the elements that made 2021 so exciting you texted me this morning that that jam went by really quickly. That 34 minutes went by really quickly. When a jam like that happens, where it just like, boom, it's over. It's been 34 minutes. Like, well, how many other songs do you listen to that are 34 minutes that you're like, this is dragging? Like, 
you listen to albums that are 34 minutes long. Yeah. Does does the 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 fact that it seems like it just goes by in a blink of an eye make it better for you? Um, I just was sort of um I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I feel like the there are a lot of big jams that are the sections are so unique that when 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 it changes from one kind of a jam to another, you're like caught by surprise and you have to sort of like stop yourself and and pay attention this to me felt like it doesn't evolve too much stylistically but but it it's almost like one long piece of improv you know which is which is kind of like a i think we were talking about this the other day about another like it's sort of like a 99 style you know where it just kind of like goes but it's not it doesn't lag at all i mean about like 10 minutes into it it feels like it'll be like a normal sand and could wind down and then several times like well fishman never slows down no matter what right but several times like there's like this slowing down and it starts to like dissipate a little bit and and there's many of these points where like it could end and they typically trey would like just start playing another song you know but they just keep pushing it forward and i do think like the ruby waves from the summer of 2019 i think this was a similarly intentional you know long jam i think often like these 20 25 minute gems that we hear in tweezer or or any of them i think they just happen but i feel like this was like a let's keep let's keep pushing this forward and see see where we can where we can go there's a there's there's one part like at 12 minutes or so where trey switches up like the there's no effects it's just like this kind of clean tone riff and he it, it sounds like he's like kind of resetting and then page mm. hits a different effect on his synth and then trey immediately goes back on top of that and then it like goes in this totally different direction so i don't know it felt like very democratic in a way that there wasn't it wasn't trey just like pushing in a direction it just felt like they were kind of listening a lot and and not stopping um there wasn't like a real peak, you know, either, like, which reminds me of those 99 gyms. I think there's like somewhere around 25 minutes or so Trey starts pushing these like sustained notes and it's kind of like a mini peak, but, but it doesn't like, it doesn't follow the pattern of all these jams that we've been talking about over the past eight shows where it's like a build up to a major key peak, you know, which is like kind of been the pattern. So in that way, it's really cool. But to get back to your question, I guess so. if like if you can listen to something for 35 minutes and then suddenly it's over and that just makes me want to like listen to it again to see what I what I missed the last time around. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Like there are certain gems where you you keep looking at the clock and you're like, okay, I've got five or six more minutes of this and there's not a ton happening. There seemed like there was at the one end a lot of different ideas being thrown out there. At the other end, a lot of communication between the band that just made you want to return to it and listen to it but it definitely felt live watching it i i the first time i checked my phone to see how long it had been i think we were like 22 or 23 minutes into it and it just had felt pretty effortless in that sense but i want to pause on something because you know between the two of us i am usually the one that brings up the idea of intentionality and the fact that you thought and and you think that some of these longer jams have some intentionality behind it obviously piques my interest um, because I thought the same thing and we did not talk about this before we went live. So I'm really, really excited that you brought this up, not me because now I don't have to defend it. But um, my thinking on that was almost this. We haven't heard a 30 plus minute jam yet here in uh, 2022. Unless I'm totally blanking on something, we heard the 27-minute uh, No Man in No Man's Land. We heard the four-song second set from uh, Mexico. We heard some great jamming in in the MSG run, but nothing got to where the band reached with the tweezer from last year, the two tweezers from the summer. Um, the Ruby Waves nearly got to 30 minutes uh, in Eugene. This to me felt like the band was walking out on stage, almost saying, okay, let's just see where we're at right now. We've played all this music over the last 10 days. Let's just see if we can push something further than we have. You know, a lot of these gems and, and, and the night before, for example, a wave of hope, brilliant, brilliant jam. 
did never once felt like that was going to go 30 minutes. It felt like it was going to reach a certain point and then it was going to be done. And at 18 minutes, we're, we're at a good point there and it, it doesn't need anything more. The sand felt kind of purposeful to me, potentially as a way of like looking ahead to where they're going to be in summer tour. And, and can we reincorporate this dissonant type of jamming that typically comes in when you cross like 25, 30 minutes? But what were your thoughts on the intentionality aspect? I just think the, I don't, I guess I don't see it as much uh, of uh, like setting the, setting anything for the future. I just think it was a, I think once in a while they go out there and, and they're like, let's, let's push this as as far as we can. Yeah. I mean, I know that um, the Ruby waves, Mercury, that's set from Alpine in 19. I know that Trey had said like that they, they wanted to, that's the last night of the tour. They wanted to like push something as far as they could. And I think they, I think they thought it was going to be Mercury. Right. And then the Mercury. Because it had been the jam that summer. Yeah. And the Mercury just didn't, it just didn't work for whatever reason. It ended up being that Ruby wave. So um, I don't know. I I think that maybe it's like a, this is the last night. Let's, let's see what we can push, you know? Um, But I don't think there's any like larger statement to it. I just think it's like a, yeah, let's let's see what we can do and see how see how far we can take this, you know, which I think they're they're pretty good at generally in terms of song selection or composition or or even songwriting. It's like let's just see how far we can we can push ourselves, you know. Um so so to me that's the that's kind of the the extent of it. Yeah, I mean it felt like a band practice jam on stage in a cool way. Um mm-hmm comment here from matt higgins did anyone else think that they were going mm. to the cross side and painless around 12 to 15 minutes of the sand glad, glad they kept it going i have like four or five texts from various fish chains that are all up oh, cross side is coming next and they pushed through that which i think speaks to what you're saying the idea that like they came out on stage there was a sense it, it would appear that let's just see what we can do and no easy outs here and maybe that's yeah. that's what it is ultimately is like no easy outs no no you're teasing this song let's immediately go into this type of thing which yeah i think i mean that's a, the way yeah yeah that's the way i feel about it i mean there there's also like if you just look at the the numbers like last year there were three i think there were three 30 minute jams last year um two tweezers and the soul planet from shoreline. Yes. Um, yes. There's a, there's a Ruby waves that is, that was 29 minutes and 57 seconds. So that, that sort of counts, but um, so they don't, you know, it just doesn't happen that much. And I think like the shoreline shows, if you look at those two shows with the soul planet one night and the tweezer the next night, those were clearly like, you know, there was so much strife with the travel and the, and the venues change and all that. Like it was clear that they wanted to do something special. So, I don't think 30 minutes is any sort of like magic marker of, of, of intentionality, but I think that you can kind of see where they start to say like, all right, let's just, let's see how far we can, we can push this. Um, I don't think it matters what the vehicle is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they, I don't know. I see a lot of like commentary online about like, well, these, this song or that song is, is better for improv than another. I just, I think it's whatever kind of strikes them and they can do it with just about anything. Yeah, I'm looking through the 20-minute jam chart right now. And if you go back to 2015-2016 range, you're seeing a lot of light, golden age, down with disease, tweezer, and then the one-off bathtub gin and kill devil falls. As you move into 2017, when 20-minute jams suddenly like become a much more normal aspect of the fish show 2018 similarly 2019 takes a slight step back but you get those two 30 minute jams and then here 2021 and 2022 it's you know it looks very similar to the late 90s to the 2.0 era just in terms of how many 20 minute jams we're getting the diversity of songs that we're getting like just reading 2021 here in reverse ghost axilla 2 Everything's right. Ruby waves down with disease. Chuck does torture. Set your soul free. Everything's right is the first repeat uh, as we move into that. So, like, 
we're talking across an entire tour, the entire fall tour saw no repeat, no like, hey, cross on and painless is going to be the jam vehicle that we're going to go to and we're going to go into a 20-minute jam as a result of that. Same with this year. Sand, simple, set your soul free, tweezer, soul planet, no man in no man's land. First repeat is set your soul free. Like any song can really do this. Yeah. And even if you take into consideration a song like A Way of Hope that didn't reach 20 minutes but was jam-packed with ideas, that is as good of an indication as possible that like I think to your point, it's just as they're feeling it, they'll just keep taking it as far as it needs to go, which is which is a really cool thing that everything seems to be on the table. Yeah. 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 And I mean, they're, yeah, I agree. And so, well, uh, just about this tour, I mean, this is like a, this is crazy to me because I saw some people like, you know, obviously online commentary about these shows to me, like the, the, we've talked a little bit about this, but the evolution of the improv from like the Mexico MSG fall 2021 style i think we all have identified or agreed with like their the post halloween sound was a little bit different than the pre-halloween sound but besides that it hasn't changed that much and to me they play, so they played 141 songs in eight shows which is just i mean it's just insane um it's a lot of songs that's a, it's a lot of songs and i, I think more than in recent tours, like they nailed a lot of these complicated compositions. I think the Esther, mm-hmm. the Fluffhead, the Foam, the, there's probably others, but those three, I thought were all like really well played. Like the Fluffhead was pretty, pretty close to, you know, perfect. Um, and I don't, I've said a lot of times, I don't really pay attention that much to like whether they make mistakes or not. But when they nail a song like Foam or Fluffhead, it's it's clear that they spent time on it and, and were, were kind of like, probably satisfied with the fact that they nailed it. So I guess in, in Mexico and MSG, there were these deep jams and, and kind of like improv that was coming into focus for the year. And, and this run so far has just been like, even though there were 16 jams in eight shows that were 15 minutes. So it's not like there weren't jams, but I felt like the song catalog and the composition and the playing of the songs was like more of a focus than, the 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 different styles of improv that makes sense yeah it does i mean i think and we were talking about this this kind of leads into a question i have like i think i feel like when they when they played that mexico run there seemed to be such a focus on the first two shows of msg as well at least from my vantage point there seemed to be such a focus on removing the synth pedals that had dominated so much of 2021. And there seemed to be a focus from Trey on playing these very clean, melodic, very pretty riffs and having that guide the band. And to me, I guess like my reading of it would be, there were a lot of, there was a lot of discussion last year that Mike really seemed to be in the shadows because page moves to the synthesizers Trey moves to the synth pedals. It's a lower registered, more rhythmic type of sound that he's playing. Where does Mike fit into all of that? And it almost felt like a way to reincorporate and reshow, like re-showcase Mike. And then somewhere in the middle of the MSG run, Trey started really heavily going back to the synth pedals. And I feel like it's really clearly showcased on the um, set your soul free from uh, the, the, the faux hollow or faux new year's eve show as well mm-hmm. as the no man and no man's land from the final night and then this tour it just it dominated everything it was anytime they got into a jam the first move was to go to the synth pedal and so in a yep. sense i feel like i may have said this a couple of days ago but it, this reminds me of complaints and criticisms that i heard people say when i was first getting into fish in the late 90s and early 2000s that the sound of 99 2000 fish sounded like a watered down version of 97 98 fish which was very exciting it was very new every tour had new sounds to it and this felt to an extent 99 2000 fish like they were just running on the same ideas but not creating anything new I don't think I would take it that far with this tour because I genuinely love a lot of the music that I've heard, but it does sound to me like, you know, one of the 
I think one of the larger reasons a lot of us listen to fish is that constant evolution. It does sound like they've just maybe on a simple standpoint have found a sound that they really like and are just playing around with this as much as possible and really don't have as much of an interest in seeing what else is next. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. I think there's, um, I don't know the the, Ryan Storm pointed out, I think it was the second night or maybe the first night or maybe both. Like there were a lot of jams that was like where Trey's tone was like almost completely without effects. Like he just sort of dropped a lot of that in, in these, in these shows, but the synth stuff was like, yeah, in the fall, it kind of became like you were just expecting to hear that, you know, which I think at, when it first came back, it was like, okay, so this is not the typical like build to a peak, mm-hmm. blissful peak jam. It was like cool, a different texture, which I do think led to different directions. But then it became like a little bit more common, you know. Um, and now it seems like he's kind of like, I think the the perfect balance of it was like post post Halloween, you know, when they like started to figure out the right balance for it, which is maybe like Mexico, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much they all change their rigs around, but I feel like even in a month, it could be totally different. Yeah. And that's kind of like, I feel like this tour, I almost wonder in a sense, like how the band approached this, if they approach this, like they approach a Fortnite run like Mexico or MSG, um, where, Maybe a few things will be incorporated, but like there's not going to be an overhauling of a rig. There's not going to be like a, 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 an emphasis on a new piece of technology. And so perhaps when they come back in July, we're going to hear a very different version of fish from what we've heard over the last 18 months or 12 months. And to be clear, like none of this is a complaint. I really love the music that we're hearing from the band. I, I think the point you're making of like what what we heard right after Halloween, I almost pinpoint the second and third night of Mexico as it, it seemed to be a showcase of like a new direction for the band. It felt a little bit more ambient. It felt a little bit more melodic. It didn't seem as reliant on, um, especially from Trey's standpoint, the synthesizer pedals. And then for whatever reason, I think probably he just really enjoys them. He, he kicks ass when he plays them and they tend to lead to really good places. Specifically speaking, the sand and the tweezer from last week, uh, the sand from last night, that why would I avoid playing these types of pedals if I'm playing them as effectively as I am right now? So I don't know. I'm kind of in this like, I, cause we were talking about this. Like, I think that there has been some criticism that the jams are starting to sound similar to each other, like over the course of the last year. I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing quite yet, because I think that they're still really good as last night showcased. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's hi, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan said, I'm leaning to that tweezer jam as the showpiece from the tour. Although Kevin, Kevin made a good point earlier, the wave of hope from being the the jam of the weekend from Deer Creek. But I'm going to go back to that again, because I think that's th- th- those do. I guess that wave of hope does stick out to me as like a little bit different in terms of the style. So but I need to like go back and listen to listen to everything, which is part of the fun of this. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, none of it's a bad thing. You know, I mean, I think that's the. I guess that's why I get in trouble on the Internet for being too positive. But like, <laughs> even if even if there's big changes in the style or the sound or, or they haven't quite like figured out what the sound is this this tour or whatever like that's that's fine you know it's still like it, it keeps us on our toes and and i think it's hard to know what the formula is for for a, a great a great show or a great tour you know um that, that's the way i feel about it but yeah i, I think it, it it changes and and it can be a very different thing from tour to tour and it, it's so much about um that wave of hope, I was just thinking about this. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I'm just throwing it out there because we're on a live podcast right now and I could do these things. You know, like, are, are you a soda drinker? Do you drink soda at all? Nope. Like, even occasionally? Not really. Okay. Well, this probably won't work with you, but someone out here listen to me. I don't really drink soda. I really, I really like, I, I try not to have it, but like, occasionally, I will buy some root beer. Okay. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And if I mow the lawn and I like have a root beer, like right after I mow the lawn, it's like the greatest thing in the entire world. Like, it's just like, it doesn't satiate my thirst because I'm still thirsty. Cause it's, yeah. you know, I'm just like depleted of salt, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. it's but sugar, like it is, but, it's all sugar at that point, but it's like the greatest thing that you've ever had in your entire life. And you like down a can of root beer in like 30 seconds. That is what the wave of hope was like for me. Like that is awesome. <laughs> I don't think there, that was like, that's like the jam that just like, it comes together, it connects and boom, we're gone. And then it's over and you're like, holy shit, what just happened? Yeah. How was that that good? I don't know if it's good for me. Like, but uh, that's kind of how I felt about the good. sand last night. Like, I feel like it was like, it was just, it was just suddenly it was, it was over, but it wasn't over in like a way that I was like excited about. I was sort of like, wow, that was, it went by really fast and I don't know what to do next. Um, which is, which is kind of the best, best feeling. Um, but I think we're like, we have, this is such a weird thing. I mean, I guess they always take breaks between not always, but often take breaks between legs of a tour, but this feels a little bit strange. Cause it's like, it's such a long break. It's not like a few days. It's like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to, what's going to happen over the next four or five weeks. I mean, even just, just in terms of their like time, like, are they going to be, I mean, I assume Trey is going to write like six albums and the rest of them are going to do whatever they do, but like, are they going to, is the sound going to change? Is their equipment going to change? Is there like, it seemed like they were going deep into the song catalog here. Like we said, 141 songs and that they were like practicing these compositions and, and really like going for them. Are they going to keep doing that in the summer or will the summer be more like of a, it's all about the energy, you know, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to know. Yeah. It is interesting because we don't have a new album. Um, as Kevin Hogan says here, Jerry's doing a few solo shows. So he has that going on. The dude will never sit back and just relax and like enjoy the upper whatever side he's on upper west side is he on the upper west side or the upper east side the upper west, west side. side like the upper west side in june is a great place to be like go and sit outside at a nice little cafe go see go to theater go to a baseball yep. game you know like there's a lot to do in new york at this time of year the man is never just gonna like sit idly by and wait i although i guess he does have he's not a rangers fan but like if they make the cup the, the finals he uh he's, he's gonna probably go to that but um I don't know because, you know, someone mentioned here earlier in the chat, like, can we appreciate CK5? And I think it's kind of the same thing uh, with the band. Like, his lighting rig looks the same as it did in 2021. So when you're watching these shows and when you're listening to these shows, it just it feels like a continua- continuation of last year. And I think that his lighting rig can get overlooked now. Granted, the last five shows, he was not able to move his lighting rig around, which takes away some of the dynamics of the overall rig. But there were some times in the jams where like, he was using those effects where he's got the LED lights on and he's got the smoke. And so it looks like it's like a banner of like purple and red. And he just kind of like flashes that over and over again. That is some of my favorite stuff that he does. And just watching that over the weekend, like you just get a whole new appreciation for where he's at. Yeah, but I'm curious, like, is he going to, is he going to change things up by July? I doubt it. I don't know. But, but that's a whole, that's the other thing is they're like, they keep, he keeps evolving and we don't talk about his light rig as much as we talk about the, the bands, but it's definitely, it's definitely changed and it's going to probably keep changing. And it's, it's pretty cool that they keep, you know, they keep, they keep pushing it. Um, the LED thing is is interesting. I was sort of like, what was the tour where it was like all LEDs and it was sort of like it didn't really work exactly. 2016. We hoped, yeah. And so like once that, then it went back to just like the whatever whatever the regular lights are. Although I guess they're all like LED power, but you know what I mean? Like the LED strips and like the those kind of big pieces of, of lights. Um, but now it feels like a good really good balance to me yeah this rig feels like the best combination of like i will never forget the first show from northerly island 2017 um the lighting there was immediate chatter online okay it's a new lighting rig the led screens are gone it's like back to a standard like the cans and whatnot um 
And then like three songs in, the lighting rig started to move. Like it started to like tilt and then it yeah. started to go again. <laughs> and, you know, it was this like build up into the Baker's Dozen of, holy shit, Chris Carota, the greatest lighting director of all time, now can take all separate parts of his lighting rig and move it so that it adds even more to the band's playing. And then last summer when they debuted the new rig with the banners and like all the colors that come off of it, it felt to me like a, the best combination of that 2017 rig with the 2013 to 2015 rig that had like the screen behind them that would change colors and whatnot. And um, that to me is just, I would, I would be fine with him sticking with this rig for the rest of fish's history. Cause it's just, it's perfect. It's like that when they change the stage setup in 2013, like, that's where the band needs to be now. They don't need yeah. to be in a straight line anymore. They need to Fishman needs to be right in Trey's ear so he can hear what's happening in the jam and really connect with him. Um I have a couple uh speed round questions I want to throw yes. at you. Just just about the tour and about where you're oh, wow. at and where we're at with Fish. We can dive off of these at will. Um before I do that, is there anything else you want to say about the sand or about last night's show? <laughs> No, I mean, I just, I want to go back to it. I got to go. I want to listen to it again. I've listened to it twice. And I guess that answers the question earlier. Like I'm going to listen to it three times today, probably. And that, that doesn't happen very often. Um, I think there are like four or five jams from this tour. So, so far that I think are like really, really going to be, you know, revisited a bunch, which is pretty cool for eight shows. Um, Also, we should mention that going back in the sand to finish it after Sigma Oasis was clearly like, uh, just <laughs> clearly trolling us. I mean, I, I really, I really do believe that. Um, I think it was like <laughs> something, I mean, it just, it was too, it was just too, too much. They didn't need to play sand at that. Like there's no need for sand at that point. Yeah. Uh, I loved it though. I really appreciate it. Hats off to you, Trey. Um, all right, so you mentioned the 141 songs. A lot of that is the result of no repeats through the first five shows of the tour and then sporadic repeats throughout the remainder of the tour. I, I didn't keep track of how many songs were ultimately repeated. Maybe someone out there in the comments did, but 141 unique songs. Do you think that the no repeats approach is a good approach or, or do you do you not like it and, and why? Man, that's a good question. Um, if if it if it like give if it makes them feel like they have a little bit more, um, if it helps push them creatively, then yes. If they feel like it's a crutch, then no. You know what I mean, or or a hindrance, I guess. Um, so I like I don't know. I mean, I'd like to I'd like to find out from them like what is it is it something that that gets them you know further along in terms of their creativity because they have to learn these in some cases relearn these songs that they maybe have forgotten or whatever. Um, so to me, it's like whatever, whatever allows them to be most creative. I, I tend to think like the way that they are and the way that Trey is like, they probably are pushed a little bit more when they have to, when they have to re revisit songs they haven't played in a long time um, or, or that they just don't play often. Um, the only, the only, there were a handful of repeats, Moma dance, slave, Sigma Oasis, sand, Maze, Free, Chalk Dust, Cavern, Wave of Hope. So all songs that they play fairly often, you know, and then yeah. there's just so much that came out of this um, tour. So I, I think it's fun. I mean, it's fun as a as a fan to follow along and to see these kinds of, you know, evolutions with the no repeats. But, you know, I I feel like they won't do it the rest of the tour. I don't I think it was just like a thing that maybe happened by accident the first three shows and then, then they probably kept it going. But I don't. I don't know. I don't think they went into it like we're going to do this for this tour. I just don't think that's how it happened. But I don't know. What about you? you? Know, it could be cool. Uh, well, I, I'm on. I'm on basically the same page. I think, you know, we 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 talked a lot in the in the spring about the um, uh, June 2012 run because it's you know the 10th anniversary of of that tour right now um and that tour trey had said in rolling stone ahead of the tour that they wanted to expand the songbook and break whatever the tour record at that point was which was like 240 songs unique songs in the tour and it meant you got a lot of bust outs and it seemed to have the impact that you're talking about right now where it, it, it affected the band in how they rehearsed how they played together it helped them in terms of writing songs and it ultimately helped them in jamming 
And I almost wonder like these eight show runs that they've done now twice in the last three years, if there's almost a sense of like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to just have a rotation of songs and repeat those songs over eight nights? Or are we going to open the catalog up and allow us to stretch things out? And I think it might be a factor of like the limiting aspect of it. Um, One idea I did have was the boomerang tour where they play four shows, unique shows, Mm-hmm. And then on night five, they start with the last song of the previous night and they go backwards. And so the last song of the overall run was the first song of the run. And it just gives them a different approach. So you're basically getting the same shows, but in reverse. It really, like, it would really test the audience patience. Yeah. That's awesome. I think you can do it to test the audience's patience is a good one. <laughs> I think that's part of the fun. All right. Let's let's go forward here. Um, Slow Maze. You were not on the, sh- on the show yesterday, but um, we did talk about this offline. Um, there it is again. Uh, what were your thoughts on Slow Maze? Was this a joke? Did you find it fun? Did you think it was funny that the band was playing a joke? If so, or did this piss you off and make you want to go on uh, some younger, faster bands tour? I thought it was great. Like, why not? I mean, just, uh, yeah, why not? I mean, it's fun. It's it's all fun to me. I thought it was funny. I thought they were having fun. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I've, I, I thought it was great. Why not? Does your enjoyment of the band Fish rise or fall by Trey beaming on stage, knowing that he is having a good time? Yeah, I mean that's definitely part of. It. I didn't see that. Was he doing that during during the slow maze? He was having the greatest time. Yeah, like I, I felt like, like the second night he yeah. was just like smiling like crazy. But especially during the maze, it was like this is weird. This is fun. I think people like this. This kind of st- sounds like steam. And you could see on stage he was having a really good time. I feel like they were backstage, maybe even before the encore, and he like I could you could see him being like sort of giddy, being like, "What if we?" what if we play another song, but we slowed it down like we did with Llama and then the other guys are like just staring at him and he's like, yeah, that would be cool. Right. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's try it right now with maze. And they're probably just staring at him like, all right. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's my impression of maybe how it worked or Fishman was immediately like, yeah, that's great. And then they just like did it. Um, I think it's, I got to imagine those, like those crazy ideas that Trey has. I think you're right. Fishman's immediately to jump onto it. And I wonder if there's like a separate side conference that nobody considers of Mike and Paige, the realist being like, is this a good idea? Do you want to, is this how you want to present yourself creatively in front of 20,000 people? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jonathan asks, Jonathan asks the odds of a slow maze returning. What do you think? One time deal. Mm, I, I think this is going to become a part of the rotation. I think we're going to oh, start wow. getting slow mazes. Wow. And I'm here for it. I liked it. I thought wow. it grooved them. Um, All right. couple more questions. What are you most excited about fish right now? Oh, man. Um, I mean, just getting to see shows in July. That's it. I get to see shows in July. I've been seeing summer shows in a year. And so I'm excited about that. Um, I haven't thought too much about it in terms of the music or the, or anything else. I'm just, I don't know, maybe we'll have to revisit that. But right now it's just like, I get to go to shows next month and I know it will be a soul cleansing experience. It will be. What shows are you hitting up this summer? That was another question on here. So good job segueing without Thank even you. knowing the list of questions. Um, I had. Two, two at the man, um, Raleigh, two Merryweathers, and then that's it. That's it that I know of, but maybe an AC, maybe an AC. It's a good run of, run of shows. A lot of yeah. East Coast, two night stands where the band tends to play really well. I'm uh, the Raleigh. I've never seen them in Raleigh. I'm, I'm going taking a friend who's only seen one fish show before. Actually, two or three but he's not a fish fan so it's gonna be uh gonna be fun and then merriweather it's like merriweather and the man like why why wouldn't why wouldn't you you know (laughs) that merriweather run oh my god i can't wait for that um i love merriweather um if there was one show from this upcoming summer tour that you would want to go to but cannot make happen what would that be 
wow, that's a good question. Um, but the, it opens at Mansfield, right? It opens at Mansfield. We've got two nights at Mansfield. We go to Banger, two nights at the Man, two nights at Bethel, Hartford, Jones Beach, Raleigh, uh, Merriweather, Cuyahoga, Blossom, uh, yep. Pine Knob, AC, Toronto, Alpine, and then Dix. I mean, I think either the third night of Alpine or the second night of Jones Beach are the two that I that I would choose to go to that I'm not currently going to. Those are your pencils in for those are going to be big shows. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I yep. like that thinking. That that checks out in terms of history as well. Yep. I'm just I'm just here for the facts. <laughs> what was the last time they played Jones Beach? Why am I blanking on this? Was it 2013? I think it was 2013. I think it was the show the I went to the second night um and it was crazy because that was the that was the show where it you know it was insane rain and all those things um and then the second set was great so i don't know maybe they went back matt higgins says maybe that maybe it's 2014 i don't know there's no way to tell unfortunately but i <laughs> the last this up. the last 2013 <laughs> the the last show of the 2013 that second night was just great Great. Yeah, the the rained out show, or the, it wasn't rained out. It probably should have been rained out, but the the first set was completely rain soaked, and then the second set they decided to come back and just absolutely tear the faces off of everybody who was in yep. the arena. Yeah, seven, twelve, thirteen was the last time they did two run, two nights uh, at uh, in twenty twelve, and then two nights in twenty ten, and three nights in two thousand nine which were their first shows there since 1995. So yeah. really, really excited to see fish at Jones beach again. That's awesome. Yeah, me too. I think, I think those are going to be good shows. I think they're going to be good shows and Alpine. I'm right there with you. I, uh, I'm doing all three nights and I cannot wait. That's so great. It's going to be great. Um, so I think we did it. We talked a lot of our, <laughs> we'll just leave that. I just want to screen. highlight this comment. <laughs> That people who are listening to this later just says RJ, you were right, which is the best, the best thing to hear. Thanks, Matt. So overall, good show last night. Great sand last night. Good tour. We have about a five week break here before the band comes back with the full summer tour. But we here at the Help and Friendly Podcast do not slow down at all. All we don't take tours off. We don't take. We don't have an off season. You know, we just roll. We don't. We don't. We are going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to do a full overview of the spring tour. Best jams, best sets, worst sets, worst jams, um, slowest song performances, not named Maze fastest song performances not named llama no we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into the weeds of spring 2022 before we leave it behind forever only to re uh revisit it maybe in 10 years time when we look back and say oh that was a pretty cool tour but just to give you a preview of what we got to come between now and um when we are all reconvened for summer tour recaps and whatnot we're gonna be diving into europe 97 we're going to be diving into August 2012 to give an overview of that whole period leading up to Dick's. We're going to look at SPAC 04, Nectar's 88, PNC 2000, and Camden 2019. There's a lot. There's going to be a lot. We're also going to talk about Paige because he's been around a while and we don't highlight Paige songs the way that we should. And we were talking about this on a podcast uh, recently that we, we need a Paige the page song podcast. So we're going to be doing that. Um, lots to come. Thank you everyone out there for hanging with us and for listening. Anything else you want to say? Any parting words on this show before um, we, uh, we, we, we move on. Did you say trade page has been around a while as a pun on that song or did that potentially did that happen? In, it it, it may have just been written by our intern. Um, it was really, really good. Um, it was well, smooth I just, in there, wasn't it? I want to tell, we do want to tell people that, there's going to be at least four opportunities to come hang out with us live this summer. Um, tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going to announce a show the night before the man show. So Monday, July 18th, 
here in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philly. We have an amazing lineup of musicians that'll be announced tomorrow. You can check out the website and social media for that. And then we're going to be doing events in AC, Alpine, and Denver around the Dicks AC and Alpine runs. And so, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we got a lot of cool stuff that we're working on. And I'm excited for people to come out to these live shows. Yeah, we're excited to meet people. We've got some awesome guests that are booked up for these events, some really cool venues that we're doing at. Uh, more details to come here in the next couple of weeks, but really, really excited for this. It'll be it'll be fun to move out of the Beyond the Pond studios here in my house and, and actually see people in the flesh and then go see fish. You know what I'm talking about? I, I do. And I just, I want to say just... I mean, everyone can see this tomorrow when we announce the Ardmore show, but these are not like come hang out with us and and listen to us talk about fish. It's like, come see these amazing musicians do cool stuff and maybe talk about fish a little bit. There'll be a little bit of fish to talk about, you know, but, but yeah, the musicians are are at the center of this, which is cool. It's uh, I'm really excited for what we're doing. Um, should be a ton of fun this upcoming summer. So before we leave, we want to tell you all once again about our sponsors at Sunset Lake CBD as well as Cash or Trade. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. For years, they were a dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. In 2019, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. Sunset Lake CBD embraces Vermont's tradition for land stewardship by using sustainable and regenerative farming techniques to build and protect healthy soils. They are 100% pesticide-free. They use minimal tillage and implement cover crops and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's agronomist to study hemp and inform best industry practices. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. We are also sponsored by Cash or Trade, which is the secondary, the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Fans are able to DM each other before, during, and after a transaction, rate, and review each other when a transaction is completed. There's no added fees to sell your tickets. All sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's trader protection policy, which guarantees your money back. Users can avoid purchase fees with gold membership subscriptions. Visit cashortrade.org to learn more. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This was a great time dive in through last night's show as well as kind of larger, broader thoughts about the overall tour. RJ, till next time. Yes. Thank you. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you guys in a couple of days and till then. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget, and we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? 
<laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.